Hi, everyone, and welcome once again to our Midweek Bible Study 2022 Summer Edition. I'm Pastor Tim with Word of Hope Christian Church in New Braunfels, Texas, and it's my joy to be with you once again. Thanks for taking time to be here. Today is Wednesday, August 10th. We're continuing in our study of 1 Corinthians, taking on tough issues. Last week, we focused on the spiritual gifts that each believer is given for the purposes of building up the body of Christ and for furthering God's kingdom. And we were reminded that each of the gifts is equally important and the same Holy Spirit is active in each one. Today in part 10, we're going to talk about love and we'll consider how love is the greatest of all gifts of the Spirit. More in a moment, but right now, join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing opportunity we have again to study your word. And thank you for all that have come to join. Lord, we pray for wisdom, and I ask you to open our hearts to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Now, our scripture today is 1 Corinthians 12, starting with verse 31b. That's the last verse of the chapter and the second part of that last verse, on into chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. Now, in this scripture passage, Paul says that if he doesn't have love, he's like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So here's a few opening questions designed to help us talk more about our experiences with making a joyful noise or speaking a beautiful language. Here's the first question. Did you learn to play a musical instrument as a child or adolescent? If so, what was it? And how did those in your home tolerate those early and sometimes trying times of listening to your practice? Well, over those years, I learned to play the drums, alto sax, and piano. Now, clearly not at once, but over those years, as I said, in the beginning with each one, I am absolutely certain that I made awful sounds. I mean, I heard them. So if I heard them, I'm pretty sure my parents heard them. And you know what, though? They never said anything bad to me about it. But I can imagine there were times that they were cringing because it sounded really bad. Second question, what kind of noise irritates you the most? Would it be fingernails on a blackboard? Would it be a screechy violin? How about that noise you get over the phone when you dial a fax number by mistake? Or maybe a crying baby? Perhaps it's a buzzing alarm clock. What kind of noise irritates you the most? Well, you know, any of those choices would definitely irritate me. But really, any sound that is high-pitched and shrill does it for me. Man, that just takes me out. All right, last question. What sound in nature is most soothing to you? And what is it about that sound that makes you relax? The most soothing nature sound to me is gently falling rain. Now, there's just something peaceful about it. Now, look, I know rain itself doesn't have a sound. The sound is what it makes contact with, whether it's the roof of your home or the window or the trees or even the pavement. It's rhythmic and it's peaceful. And that's what I really like about it. All right, let's get to studying. If a person does not love, neither spiritual gifts nor good deeds nor martyrdom is of any ultimate value to that person. Love is the context within which these gifts and deeds become significant. I want you to open your Bible or Bible apps to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting with verse 31, then we'll cross over to chapter 13, verses 1 to 13. Follow along as I read, and we're going to find out more. 
Here we go. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 31b. But now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Chapter 13, starting with verse 1. If I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it, but if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now, I'm sure you've heard at least part or all of that chapter. Chapter 13 is often called the love chapter, and we get into those verses that we hear a lot at weddings and other ceremonies. But there's more to this passage than just that. And we're going to take all these 13 verses here in chapter 13 and take a brief look at them, okay? So starting with verse 1, here we go. Verse 1 reads, If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. So the question is, right off the start here, Paul begins to show the importance of love being a part of everything we do. Why is love so important in this context? Now here's my answer. Without love, speaking in a heavenly language, although a gift of the Spirit, becomes nothing more than meaningless noise. The gift of tongues used without love is as valueless as pagan worship. Without love, the gifts do not build up other believers, so they are useless. Christians must not exalt gifts over character. Look at verse 2. It reads, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. Here's the question. In this verse, Paul continues to say that if he has certain other gifts like prophecy, knowledge, and faith, and that if love was not present, they were meaningless. Why? Well, again, the theme is that these spiritual gifts are meaningless when practiced without love. Even more, the loveless person displaying the gift is nothing. By this, Paul means the person is accomplishing nothing within the body of Christ. The gift is being wasted on him or her in that moment. 
Paul says this is true even of the gift of prophecy or prophetic powers, which he describes as one of the higher gifts in the previous chapter, chapter 12, verse 28 and verse 31. Now he puts the gift together with the gift of knowledge and the gift of faith using hyperbole to describe a level of giftedness no Christian has ever had. Paul is not necessarily saying such a thing can happen, only that even if it could, it would not change the primacy of godly, self-sacrificing love. Number three. Verse three reads, If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. Here's the question. In this verse, Paul further illustrates that without love, actions will be worthless. Explain, if you will. Well, here Paul moves beyond spiritual gifts to the most profound acts of spiritual self-sacrifice a Christian can make. Jesus told a rich young ruler to sell all he had and give the money to the poor. The story is in Mark 10, verses 17 to 22. Surely anyone who would actually do such a thing would have reached a height of spiritual maturity. And yet, Paul insists to do so without love for others gains the giver nothing at all. Then he moves to the ultimate sacrifice. What if a person sacrificed their body for the Lord? Again, Paul describes this sacrifice as meaningless if made without love for others. All right, here's those verses that I know you've been waiting for. Verses 4 to 7. Let's read them. Here they go. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Here's the question. In these verses, Paul begins to describe the characteristics of what love is and isn't. What are those characteristics, and what do they mean? It's important to remember that Paul is not writing inspirational poetry here. It sounds beautiful, doesn't it? But he's driving home a pointed message to the divided, often selfish Christians in Corinth. This is how God expects believers to treat each other. Lack of Christ-like love was at the heart of every one of the problems described in 1 Corinthians so far. So, let's address each of these descriptions that Paul shares. There are several in verse 4. Let's begin with the first. Love is patient. This is the opposite of being short-tempered. Patience, sometimes translated long-suffering or slow to anger, is an attribute of God. In many places, God's people are called upon to be patient. I found three that you can check out. Ephesians 4.2, Colossians 3.12, 1 Thessalonians 4.15. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit, of course, Galatians 5.22. Such love bears with certain annoyances or inconveniences without complaint. It does not lose its temper when provoked. It steadily perseveres. Also in verse 4, it says love is kind. Kindness takes the initiative in responding generously to others' needs. The Psalms and writings of the prophets say a lot about God's kindness. Because believers have received kindness, they ought to act with kindness toward others. That kind of love is considerate and helpful to others. Kind love is gentle and mild, always ready to show compassion. 
especially to those in need. Also in verse 4, it says, love is not jealous. The jealous person wants what another person has. This seems to have been a particular problem in Corinth. Those with quote-unquote lesser gifts envied those with quote-unquote greater gifts. Those who are too busy envying each other's gifts are unlikely to be using their own gifts in loving service to God and others. Where there is love, believers will gladly use whatever gifts they have been given to work together for the advancement of the kingdom of God. They will be glad that others have different gifts so that the entire job can be done. And lastly, in verse 4, it says, Love is not boastful or proud. Now, while some pride can be positive, this kind of pride takes credit for an undeserved gift, something the Corinthians were clearly dealing with. Gifted believers who are caught up in pride and boasting over their gifts are unable to serve. Without love, they may feel that by using their gifts, they're doing someone a favor, that others should be grateful to them, and that they are far superior. But they are wrong. Now, in verse 5, it says, Love is not rude. This refers to actions that are improper, impolite, discourteous, or just crude. Believers who use these gifts with love will be careful to act in a manner worthy of their calling before God. They will never humiliate others. This may also have been a problem in Corinth, especially in their worship services. Go back and check out chapter 11, verses 2 through 16. Also in verse 5, it says, Love does not demand its own way. Love looks out for others, seeks their best interests, willingly gives up its own for the sake of another. A person who wants his own way may use their gifts, but not with a serving attitude or a desire to build a kingdom. This is not God's way. Instead, because of love, the believers use their gifts to benefit others first without self or selfish desires getting in the way. Again, in verse 5, there's another characteristic. It says, love is not irritable. This means not being easily angered or touchy. Some people let things get on their nerves. One believer, in the process of exercising his or her gifts, may irritate another believer. These easily angered believers may not like the style or manner in which these others exercise their gifts. This isn't the way of love. And that's clearly an issue the Corinthians were dealing with. Also in verse 5, it says, Love keeps no record of being wronged. Oh boy, this is a good one. These people remember every offense against them as though it were written in a book and tallied. These wrongs are not sins that need to be dealt with in the congregation, like in chapter 5, but minor offenses or misunderstandings between believers. Those who keep a record of these wrongs and personal injuries will harbor resentment against other believers as well. But love makes allowances for people's flaws and mistakes and willingly forgets when wrongs are done. This frees all believers to grow and mature in Christ and to grow in their ability to serve and use their gifts. And it's critical to know, according to 2 Corinthians 5.19, God does not keep a record of believers' wrongs. So neither should we. Moving to verse 6, it says, Love does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. When believers show love, 
They don't show superior morality by taking pleasure in someone else's failure. Love does not take pleasure in any kind of injustice. Instead, love does the exact opposite. Those who love should remain unstained by evil. They ought to always seek truth, desire that truth wins out, protect the truth, and proclaim the truth whenever possible. Moving to verse 7, it says, Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Let's take those apart individually. First, love never gives up, but willingly protects others. The word in Greek means cover or hide by covering. This doesn't refer to hiding hurtful sin, but to protecting someone from embarrassment, gossip, or any other such harm. When believers love one another, they refuse harmful gossip and protect one another from those who would try to inflict harm. The next part of that phrase is love never loses faith. Love means being willing to think the best of others. It doesn't mean that believers must be gullible, trusting everybody. Instead, it means that they're willing to think the best as opposed to the worst of others. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. With real love, believers can deal with conflict lovingly. When everyone willingly thinks the best of everyone else, People are free to be honest and open. Next, it says love is always hopeful. Well, believers who love look forward, not backward. They seek for growth and maturity in the church, knowing that God is working in each and every person. And lastly, it says love endures through every circumstance. Believers who love are active and steadfast in their faith. They hold on no matter what difficulties they face. Hardship and pain did not stop love. When believers persevere, they face suffering within the body. They face persecution. They hang on when the going gets tough. They strive to save their marriages despite disappointment, to continue to trust God despite setbacks, and to continue to serve God despite fear or sorrow. When believers truly persevere, nothing can stop them. Let's continue. Verses 8 through 10. Here we go. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Now, our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the whole picture. But when the time of perfection comes, these partial things will become useless. Here's the question. Compared to love, what will happen to all other spiritual gifts in the end? Paul says that all spiritual gifts will eventually disappear, but that love will in fact last forever. No matter how much people may know, they know only a little. No matter how much prophecy is given, it still reveals little. Not until the arrival of God's kingdom, in other words, the end, will everything be made perfect and complete. And yet love will continue because love is the very essence of God himself. The kingdom rests on God's love. Number six, verse 11 says, When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Here's the question. Explain in more detail what Paul means as he contrasts a child's spiritual understanding and someone who grew up. Simply put, a child talks, thinks, and reasons like a child. 
His or her understanding is incomplete. But when a child grows up, he or she matures in speech, thought, and reason. And they put away childish things. So now believers know only a little like children, but one day they'll be able to put their present understanding behind them because they will understand clearly and grow. And one of the themes that Paul has been talking heavily to the Corinthians about was maturing, growing in their faith, being in the word, living it out day in and day out. That's important for all of us, folks. And now for our last question today, number seven, verse 13 says, three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. Now we've all heard that before, right? At least most of us have. Here's the question. Why is love greater than faith and hope? Paul ends this chapter by mentioning love again, along with these two other virtues, faith and hope. Together, these three virtues abide or remain. Perhaps Paul means that as is the case with love, faith and hope will continue into eternity after the need for spiritual gifts has long since passed. Faith is essential to Christianity. Only by faith in Christ is it possible to come into relationship with God at all. In a similar way, hope is the Christian conviction that God will keep his promises about the future. Without faith and hope, Christianity does not make sense. They're built in. But still, Paul insists that love is greater than even these two bedrock virtues. It will abide, in a sense, even after our faith has become sight and our hope in eternity has been fully realized. Paul's bottom line in this chapter is that, of course, faith and hope are far more important than spiritual gifts, and love is greater than even faith and hope. Spiritual gifts are essential for the church to grow, but the Corinthians had put too much emphasis on them as evidence of personal glory or achievement. These gifts have got to be applied with love, or they become meaningless, even destructive. Well, folks, that brings us to the end of our study today about love. This has been a great journey. I hope you've enjoyed it. Let's recap briefly what we talked about. Today, we discussed the power of God's love and how important it is for us to develop this in our lives. We were also reminded that love should be the motivating factor behind all that we do. Next week, we're going to have another tough issue we're going to talk about. Matter of fact, two. We're going to study 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 1 to 12 and verses 26 to 33a. And we're going to consider two other gifts that have had importance to the church and were at the center of a dispute in Corinth. And those two other gifts are prophecy and speaking in tongues. We'll also look at worship and the use of gifts in worship. I really appreciate you taking time to join me today. Thank you so much. It's been an amazing journey. We're going to be right back at it again next week. Until then, Please take care. Have an amazing rest of your day and week, and I'll see you right back here next time. God bless you. Go in peace. Thanks for listening. Join us again next time for another encouraging message from God's Word. To find out more about our ministry, look us up on the web at www.whccnb.org. Word of Hope Christian Church. Real people. A real God. Real hope.